Today on the show, grab your abacus because it's time to crunch some numbers, folks. Is it tax season or is it just an episode about Chone? <laughs> the answer is yes. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to Gamjabar, your guide to the iconic world of Dune. We'll be exploring the themes, philosophies, and characters found in the sandy depths of this vast universe, from Frank Herbert's groundbreaking novels to the adaptations on film and TV. My name is Leo. And my name's Abu. And today we are talking about the Combine Hanet uh-huh. Ober Advanced uh-huh. yep. Mercantiles. <laughs> <laughs> Chome. <laughs> We're talking about Chome. <laughs> That's right. Bravo. Bravo, Thank Leo, for Thank taking a stab <laughs> at saying those words. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, from henceforth referred to as Chome. Oh, please. Please. Thank you. Yeah. Chome. <laughs> Just for mm-hmm. everyone's sanity. Yes, we are doing an episode all about Chome. And what's interesting about today's topic is that uh, this was an episode we weren't going to do until... We got a listener suggestion from Anusha, yeah. who insisted that we must do an episode all about Chome because she's so fascinated by the economy of Dune. She is studying economics, and she asked us to do a Dune Economics 101 episode all about Chome. So if today's boring, <laughs> blame her, not us. It's your fault, Anusha. Just kidding. <laughs> that would be our fault in scripting it. But before we get into that heavy, laborious content... Let's get through our housekeeping. That's right. Today's episode is 100% spoiler-free. Mm-hmm. We're talking early, early Empire stuff, so we won't even be getting near the life and times of sweet Timothy Chalamet Paul Atreides. Listen on with confidence. Learn a little that- <laughs> about economics. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And look, if you have a great episode idea like Anusha, yeah. write to us. Gamjabar podcast at gmail.com. We love hearing your suggestions. A lot of our episodes we do because listeners ask us to. Right. We also love to get your memes, cute photos of your pets, mm-hmm. and updates about how many friends you have forced to listen to this podcast by now. <laughs> Send all of that to Gamjabar podcast at gmail.com. Also known as the Gamjabar, the test of the Gamjabar. Right? <laughs> What's in my earbuds? pain yes (laughs) if you like what we do also consider supporting us at patreon.com forward slash gamjabar this show is a ton of work yeah and our patrons honestly make it possible for us to put in the hours needed to make it as good as we can and to that end we want to take a moment and thank our incredible quisats hatterack level members case aiken and nate hyde fellas Based solely on your generosity, I'd like to offer you memberships in Chome. Oh, round of applause. Round of applause. Round of applause. Round of applause. Thank you, guys. We'll give you hefty shares in Chome. At least 5%. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, to round out the housekeeping, a reminder that another great way to support the show beyond the Patreon is to check out our merch on gomjabarshop.com. Right. Look good. Feel good. And help this show keep going. Indeed. What more could you ask for? Uh, more shares in Chome? <laughs> Greedy. <laughs> well, with housekeeping out of the way, why talk about Chome? Well, there's a few answers. First of all, 
Anusha recommended that we talk about Joan. <laughs> so here we yes, are. Yes, a reminder to blame her for this episode. <laughs> yeah, gentle reminder. It's her fault. <laughs> but also... Chome exists as one of the major checks and balances in the imperial politics of Dune. Right. And look, Duke Leto made it clear to us very early in the first book how important Chome is. Right. Here's a direct non-spoiler quote from the first Dune book. Right. Duke Leto says, quote, Few products escape the Chome touch. Logs, donkeys, horses, cows, lumber, dung, sharks, whale fur, the most prosaic and the most exotic even our poor pundi rice from Kaladin. Anything the guild will transport. The art forms of Ecas, the machines of Riches and Ix. End quote. So Chome has their hands in everything, in all commerce, in all trade across the entire Imperium. And thus they play a critical role in the story and in this galaxy, which is funny because they are always in the background. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in every major Dune book, they play a significant role in the background. So it's worth talking about them today to kind of bring them to the foreground, bring them center stage, and enhance our understanding of this organization, where it came from, why it exists, how it works, and ultimately increase our appreciation for the Dune saga and this incredible universe. Indeed, indeed. As a side note, we talked about this before. That is an absurd list of things. I'm not going to dwell on this, <laughs> but that he went from dung to sharks. Who's right. shipping sharks? Right. <laughs> Why? Right. Well, get your notebooks out. This is Dune Economics 101 and classes in session. And yes, there will be a test on this. Right. You best study for the final. <laughs> It's going to be a pop it's going to be a pop final. You don't know when it's coming. It's not the end of the semester. That's all we can tell you. Okay, so before we start today's lesson, we're going to take a short break, but don't go anywhere because we'll be right back to talk all about the I'm going to try it. Combine Hanet Ober Advancer Mercantiles, y'all. Oh my god, that was so much better. <laughs> we'll see you in a minute. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody. We hope you enjoyed your time away from the combine. Uh, nope. <laughs> Let's get into setting the stage for the universe before Chome. Absolutely. And what's important to know is the way the universe worked before Chome came into existence. Right. Yeah. Explains very much why Chome was necessary and why oh. it came into existence. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So before we actually even get to Chome, let's talk a little bit about what the early empire was like in the Dune Saga. Right. So thinking back in our history books, in the thousands of years before the Butlerian Jihad, as humanity is sort of exploding out across the stars, we've discovered faster than light travel and we're colonizing every planet we can, mm -hmm. things were a bit of a mess. <laughs> Which is a bit of an understatement. Right. <laughs> Here's how the Dune Encyclopedia explained it. 
quote, trade between planets, systems, and stars was essentially anarchic, and space piracy was common, end quote. Oh my god, are we pitching another <laughs> HBO series? That sounds fantastic. Hell yeah, we are. This is what season two of that Taika show needs to pivot to. Oh, yeah. It just needs to become about space piracy in Dune. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> now, Taika and space piracy aside, as cool as all of that sounds, what's shocking is this like total anarchy that exists early in humanity's history gets even worse somehow mm-hmm. once the Butlerian Jihad breaks out around 200 BG, around 200 before Guild. And remember, just to position ourselves on the timeline here, 200 BG is over 10,000 years before the first page right. of the Dune novel. I mean, all of the same instincts would be there. Just now everything is slow <laughs> and disconnected. <laughs> right. So post-Jihad, basically, once the advanced computer technology had been eradicated and people were literally flying blind in a lot of situations. Yeah. Trade between the stars and systems was just slow as molasses, slower than molasses, the slowest molasses you can imagine. And also (laughs) maybe like, I've never bought molasses. Is molasses expensive? I don't know. It was slow and expensive. (laughs) My ignorance around molasses value aside. Yeah. Wow. You just told on yourself when it comes to molasses, Leo. I've never bought it. (laughs) Me neither. I can't give you shit for that. (laughs) Someone write to us, gomjabarpodcast at gmail.com. How expensive is molasses? I could Google it. I could literally Google it. I'm not going to. Yeah. No, we'll wait for your email. (laughs) Trade became expensive. Anusha, tell us. Trade became slow and expensive. And... Although material sold between planets was as varied as the worlds they were coming from, there was a quality that made certain goods better than others, right? Mm -hmm. If they were low in bulk and if they were really expensive, it was fantastic. So my mind goes to like NFTs and graded Pokemon cards. (laughs) Your black lotuses really, really take off at that point. Uh, But... That also means smaller things like uh, gold, salt, spice, mm-hmm. but like saffron and nutmeg, <laughs> not right, right. melange. Things like that became really popular, which is kind of interesting. That parallels really ancient Terran, you know, ancient earth caravan routes. Yeah. These distant wealthy cultures are trading only the like luxuries. And the Dune Encyclopedia gives us a few examples. Spices, right? nutmeg or or uh what did we have a joke right about nutmeg being the most expensive <laughs> the second most <laughs> it was oregano oh it was from the spice <laughs> melange episode oh my god how annoyed i am at buying oregano because it's so pricey oh it's so expensive for such a small bottle so that was number one that was the number one thing was oregano and then jewelry a lot of which came from the jewelry planet hagal which probably sounds better than it looks <laughs> and then silk and schlag skin, whatever that is. Schlag skin. <laughs> love a schlag skin pair of shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now I desperately want to know more about Hagal and the jewelry planet. It's probably so boring. <laughs> it's probably, I picture gems and crystals everywhere and like, you know, de- ore deposits. Yeah. It's probably just a mining planet. That's fair. That's Dirty, true. you know. Right. I, I don't know. 
But look, you can't beat Hagalian necklaces oh, and bracelets. True. true. Every hookup begins with Hagal, as they say. <laughs> Every hookup begins with Hagal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let's fast forward a bit to the year 12 BG. Right. And this year is significant because a major event takes place. Right. Enter the Spacing Guild. Hey, we talked about Onto the galactic stage. Yeah. We talked about this in our Spacing Guild episode. Go check that out to learn all about the origins of the guild. Right. But in 12 BG, they introduced themselves to the Empire, this fledgling Carino Empire, and they make a value proposition to the Emperor Saudir. Safe, reliable, faster than light travel. We can bring commerce and trade back to your new empire. Do you want that? You in or you out, buddy? Sounds good. Sounds like a good deal. <laughs> and Emperor Sadir was like, holy shit. Trade is back on the menu. And so are nacho fries at Taco Bell. What? Am I the luckiest emperor ever or what? I'm going to order some sharks right away. <laughs> <laughs> now, this was monumental. This changed the game for the Empire. Right. The Emperor was a smart guy, though. He realized how monumental of a moment this was, how much the Guild could change things forever. Mm -hmm. And he basically, like, took the moment by the balls. <laughs> and it was like, we got we to gotta figure this shit out. We got to figure it out quick. So just two short years later, he organizes something called a financial synod. Oh, someone said in an email how to pronounce it, and I forgot. I'm looking it up. <laughs> you look it up, I'll keep talking. So he organizes this financial synod on the planet Aurarium IV in 10 BG. And Emperor Saudir invites all the stakeholders. The guild is going to be there, all the houses major and minor, which make up the Lancerod, and of course, the Imperial House itself, House Carino, the Emperor, and all his representatives. Right. Everyone's going to go to this, what is it? Synod. Syn synod? Synod. <laughs> God damn it. Everyone's going to go to this synod uh -huh. and talk things through. Right. What is the future going to look like now that the guild is here? And to be clear, the stakes are high. Travel and trade, the two things that we've talked about being as slow and maybe as expensive as molasses. <laughs> Watch molasses be super cheap. <laughs> it's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> All of that could change with the guild's arrival. The guild has the solution to that problem. And so the stakes are very high here. And people are here to angle for both political power, economic power, and of course, personal gain. Everyone has something to win and lose here at the Synod. Right, right. Now, this financial Synod, we mentioned in the Spacing Guild, and then we were like, let's put a pin in it. We'll talk about it later. Today's the day we're taking that pin out. <laughs> Let's talk about this multi-year mess of a synod between all of these stakeholders. You think you know what a messy synod looks like? Buckle up. This <laughs> synod is messier. Kind of. It's not really. It works out, basically. But yeah. let's talk about it. In essence, the problems boiled down to the fact that the great houses were coming to this synod in bad faith, basically. The return of interstellar trade and travel, sure, that's fantastic. But more importantly, how do we get the throne? <laughs> yeah. How do we take over this empire? Right. Because as far as they were concerned, House Carino only had the throne because of the Sardaukar 
And other than that, it's like, why do, why are you on the seat? We're all, we've all been here this whole time. So their claim to the throne was tenuous. Right. And remember, like, totally fresh at this point. Right, right. House Carino has, like, just recently taken power. <laughs> they, yeah, they're going, I'm the Empire. And everyone in the Empire is like, what? Shut up, nerd. <laughs> no. <laughs> so they arrive at the Synod. And the Spacing Guild, this new element, was one way that the House's Major could attempt to upend that balance and take the throne. But... The guild didn't want to be that catalyst that like got rid of any normalcy that the the empire had gotten to. So they straight up refused to negotiate with the great houses. They were like, no, <laughs> no, they, they kept leaving them on red. Yeah. Every message they got, they read it. Hell yeah. Did not respond. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. Right. They don't need that kind of toxic energy in their life. Yeah. Know your worth, Spacing Guild. Oh my God, you're a 10 <laughs> out here <laughs> trying to get hollowed at by a four? No, 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 no. This was years of deadlock. Nothing happened for years. And the Synod nearly fell apart, but was saved by an incredible move by Emperor Saudir and his officer, who I am going to say is pronounced Dioicides. Ooh, okay. I think. I-, I like that pronunciation. It's a very, very Greek pronunciation. It looks very Greek. Right. What were you, what would you say? I was saying in my head just diacities. That's ignoring a, a letter. <laughs> <laughs> Every language ignores letters. Like you're acting like <laughs> That's true. Like <laughs> we just discovered that synod, <laughs> which has an O in right? it. Well, we'll be alternating on how to say his name. But you're right. Emperor Sadir and his chief financial officer, Diocides Asitrates, not Atreides. Or Asitrates. Asitrates is how I think of it. Asitrates. That's better. I like that. Again, it's a very, I think it's Dioicides Asitrates. <laughs> that is Asit- like a fucking six syllabus name. Asitrates nuts. <laughs> Sorry. Asitrates nuts. <laughs> It's very, it's very serious. It's very important. This is an episode about Chome, Leo. We're spending far too long on this one man's name. It's a good name. That's great. My firstborn will be named Dios. My firstborn. Dioicides. Dioicides, Asitrates, nuts. Asitrates. Asitrates, god damn it. I know. I'm only, I'm going to stick with Dioicides. But Dioicides, as we mentioned is the chief financial officer to the Golden Lion Throne, and he plays a critical role in helping Emperor Saudier break this years-long deadlock at the Synod. Basically, negotiations have completely stalled, and they approach all the parties involved and present an incredible plan to the Great Houses. Mm -hmm. And that plan is the establishment of a thing called the Combine Hanit Chome. Chome, whatever, don't worry about it. Chome, it's, yeah. it's the establishment of a thing called, with another name that we're all just going to call Chome instead. Yeah. And their elevator pitch was, hey, Chome is going to act as this interstellar and intersystem trade monopoly with the hand in all trade that happens in our empire. And the sweet part of the deal is that everyone would own shares within this company, Chome, right. that controls all of trade, and based on the shares you own you would make a profit. Yeah. 
And basically, it was a way for all of these great houses who are ready to backstab each other at a moment's notice to have a literal financial obligation to make sure that any backstabbing they do doesn't harm the bottom line, basically. Right. Yeah. Because everyone's got a hand in the in the same pot of gold. And, you know, you don't want to be the guy that, like, pisses in the pot of gold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ruins the gold for everyone else. As tempting as it can be. You know, <laughs> it's there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what the exact pitch on Chome was, we don't know. Right. And how Chome actually, like, truly operates is hilariously vague. Right. And what I found really funny is when you try to dig into the encyclopedia to, like, look into this, like, what what is the inner workings of Chome? How does it actually work? It's very obvious that the folks who helped write the Dune Encyclopedia were not economic majors. Right. Here's this amazing cop-out from the Dune Encyclopedia. Quote, Neither the surviving records of Chome, nor what has been discovered and translated of the imperial histories, permit a full understanding of the structure of Chome. End quote. Sure. It's just lost uh-huh. to history, folks. Sure. <laughs> oh, my God. That really does. It does read as a cop out. That's totally true. That's so funny. Yeah. I love it. And to be fair, no one's out here trying to be like, this is how Chome works. It's just like NASDAQ. That's boring shit. You right. can't blame the writers to just skip over that stuff. But if you're listening to this and wondering, okay, cool, interstellar trade monopoly, what does that actually mean? Right, right. The answer to that is, we don't know. Right. Now, the actual process of saying, here's this monopoly we're all going to share in the profits, the process of applying like numbers to who got how much, which is really like that first question that most of those houses would have, Yeah, went really smoothly. <laughs> they killed it. They nailed it. It's just amazing. <laughs> Dioicides really delivered on his promise. He successfully juggled basically these political and personal ambitions of all of the houses all at the same time all while also satisfying the guild and also the emperor and it's just it's nuts i mean honestly if we were to assign like mvps in the dune universe yeah dioicities would probably have to be like top five top ten it's pretty yeah it's pretty insane he's up there with norma sevna and clarby <laughs> clarby <laughs> Okay, now I need to know what your top five is, because Clary Clary's not in my top five. <laughs> Clary four times, and then the fifth person's Esmar Tuick. <laughs> yeah, Dioicides, you got to give credit where credit is due. This guy comes up with a plan. He somehow manages to make everyone in the room happy. Right. And somehow gets all of these people who have not been talking for years at this point. Right. To agree to this establishment of Cho. It's pretty incredible. And like we said earlier, thanks to this new financial oversight corporation known as Chome, we now have this system in this young fledgling empire that promotes stability right. and forces all of these disparate houses to cooperate with each other. And at the end of the day, these great houses want more power and they want more riches. And Chome helped them get both and solidify both. Somehow it's a win-win all around. It's pretty amazing. Now, creating what is effectively interstellar NASDAQ (laughs) from the ground up (laughs) is not an easy, simple task. And 
although a lot of the details, again, are apparently lost to history. <laughs> uh-huh. We do have some of them, so let's talk about some of the specifics right after another quick break. <laughs> so stick around. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, folks. I hope mm-hmm. you've been taking studious notes. All of this will be on the final. No, we're not telling you when the final is. It's a pop final. It's a pop It's not final. at the end of the semester. <laughs> it could be tomorrow for all you know. Let's now talk about some of the specifics of this Chome deal and really dig into the benefits that the houses are getting from it. They all agreed so quickly. Why is that? We know some of those details of why. And let's talk about Some of what we know about how the organization is run, who's in charge of it, who gets elected to it. And then finally, we'll wrap up with Chome in modern day and how it gets us to the start of the first book. Right. Yes. So in another brilliant stroke of genius from our boys, Saudir and Diocides, Mm -hmm. during the negotiations for the distribution of shares, they give the imperial throne a shockingly small amount. Everyone's obviously angling to get the most shares they can. Shares equal money, shares equal power. Bigger number equals better, right? Right, right. Emperor Saudir assigned himself only 20% of shares as part of this Chome deal. Right. Which basically meant that the emperor did not have a majority control over how this company was run. And that effectively, again, Chome basically translates to political and economic power in this imperium right so the fact that the emperor is like no i don't have total control over the economy and over political power is a bold move on his part it made it so that he would have to be dependent on other houses right yeah to do anything big right he would have to convince and work with others to get a plurality of votes for any major act to pass through right yeah This is also significant because the Dude Encyclopedia points out that the emperor at this time technically had the economic and military might of almost all of the great houses combined. There's a reason House Carino climbed to the throne at this point in history. Right. They're the strongest. (laughs) Yeah. Quote, it was also clear to all that this percentage was far less than the emperor had every right to. Right. End quote. Yeah. And what that quote makes clear to us there is that the emperor probably was well within his rights to claim like 40%, probably even 50% of Chome shares. Mm -hmm. Like he certainly had the muscle to back that up, to back those numbers up, but he ended up going with 20%. And again, that's kind of brilliant on his part because I'm sure that bought a lot of goodwill from the houses that would have been naysayers to this plan to create Chome. Right. And it instantly convinced a lot of people that maybe this whole chome thing is a great idea yeah they i'm sure there was some skepticism around the sales pitch they're like okay how is this going to screw us over and get you a lot of money exactly that idea of saying no no this really is a collaborative organization 
that I will be beholden to is, yeah, that's powerful. That's amazing. Yeah. The emperor is like putting a checks and balance on himself. Yeah. That's impressive. Now, the remaining shares, so there's that 20% goes to House Carino. The remaining shares would be distributed to the various powers based on the amount of trade executed over the last 10 years. And everyone, again, was like, yeah, okay, that sounds pretty fair. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> Damn, that's a, a, no objections, I guess, that's Your Honor. solid. Yeah, wow, dioicities. <laughs> Y'all are killing it. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it is safe to assume that no one in this era was pumping out amazing numbers, uh, with yeah. maybe the exception of, like, again, graded Pokemon cards and <laughs> NFTs. Nuts. <laughs> they were so rich. <laughs> <laughs> the Dune Encyclopedia pointed out this added footnote, which is that if you achieved membership, which is to say, if you were a feudal state and you had to control at least a planet, you could not fall below one share of Chome, right? Yeah. You could not fall below a certain threshold of that sharing in profits, which was huge because everyone, again, at the negotiating table knew that natural resources... If your planet is rich in cobalt, that's fantastic until you've mined all of your cobalt. Yeah. Now you're up the creek, right? Without a cobalt paddle. <laughs> your pot of gold is there in the bathroom. It's a, it's a worrying place to be. <laughs> and this allowed even those systems that had that kind of tenuous wealth and that possibility for trade, it gave them a reason to say yes as well, because it was basically guaranteed profits forever so long as they were a certain threshold. Right. That's wild, right? Yeah. You buy into this thing, and then you're just forever in it. Yeah. At the very least, you'll have just one share. Yeah. And that is that is incredible. Like, I think of planet Hagal over there, who are <laughs> mining their planet to death yeah. to create these Hagalian rings and necklaces. Right. Someday, that planet's going to run out of gems, but it doesn't matter. If they buy into Chome... When and if that planet does run out and the Hagalian jewelry business goes under, they will still have that one share in Chome, and they will still reap the profits from the Chome pool that their one share gives them. Right. It feels like a no-brainer, right? Like yeah. I can imagine the great houses are sitting there hearing this plan and being like, okay, where's the catch? I'm waiting for the catch. <laughs> right, right. It's coming. It's going to come. And it just doesn't come. We also see a lot of people... Again, without saying anything about plot, we see houses move from planet to planet. Yeah. And it's the sort of thing where you might have fiefdom over a planet that creates a lot of profit. That's great. That might change. Exactly. So let's go over some of the reasons. We broke down some of the specific reasons the houses liked this whole Chome deal. Right. And why it was so attractive to them. So let, let's break down some of these reasons. Reason number one is the Sardaukar. Right. We know how scary they are. We know what they've done for House Carino, how they've helped House Carino rise to power at this point, the greatest military might in the galaxy. And like you said earlier, as much as the great houses were vying for the throne, it's clear that trying to go up against the Sardaukar would mean catastrophic losses on all sides for the Imperial throne, for all the great houses. It would just wreck everyone's militaries and everyone's economies. Right. And buying into Chome was also a stability play by the emperor. 
here's a way to get everyone to cooperate. And it's clear that Chome had a stabilizing effect on the politics of this empire at this time. And it also made it so that war was basically avoidable because everyone's economies were so dependent on each other. Everyone was buying into the same pool. Right. Yeah. The second thing actually ties into that a bit, which is this closed economic system that people were buying into would, of course, benefit people who are part of the system. But it also served that alternate effect of anybody not in the system would struggle more because suddenly they weren't at the table participating in trade with all of the right the feudal powers who would come together as part of chome yeah which is nuts you have any amount of galactic power and of course one of your biggest concerns is when am i going to lose it and by what means right everyone at the table trading had reasons to play nice yeah but also those smaller powers that don't want to be beholden to kind of playing nice well now they're effectively embargoed it's huge and what chom was doing and what Dioicides was doing was making it clear there's only one way to survive in this new economic reality of the Imperium. Yeah. Fall in line, obey the feudal systems that everybody else is, is beholden to, or slowly die out. Yeah. And we get a little quote from the Dune Encyclopedia here. Quote, In closing intersystem and interstellar trade to non-feudal states, the emperor offered an unequaled opportunity to the feudal powers to remove their most persistent worry, end quote. Yeah. I think what's interesting about that in particular is beyond just, sure, like crime families that are too close to your capital city or just rogue (laughs) barbarians of some sort. Right. To me, this also reads as, you fall in line with our feudal system to buy into the economy, to buy into Chome. If you're thinking about anything along the lines of democracy yeah. or, a, or a parliamentary system, right? Like it's, it is also locking in the overall like political structure of this galaxy. Yeah, right. Right? Because if you are a independent state, an independent planet, let's say, who elects its leaders or who has a, a governing body that's representative and elected, that's not how the fucking... The emperor doesn't want that, right? Right, right. You don't need ideas like that being pervasive in your, in your fledgling young empire that you're trying to grow. And so Chome and the economy that Chome will thus control and be a monopoly over is almost a strong-arm way of forcing out any other types of political thought that aren't, hey... This is the feudal system we've all agreed to. There are dukes, there are emperors, fall in line. Right, yeah. Now, moving on from that, reason number three is that during the Synod, this is amazing, Saudier exposed (laughs) rampant corruption and inefficiency in the economics of many of the great houses. How many of them were evading taxes and, you know, under the table deals. There was a lot of black market money going around. And part of the Chome deal is everyone's books get audited. Right. Everyone's checkbooks get fucking balanced. We are double (laughs) and triple checking all the math. Right, right. And this sort of transparency was amazing. Like, it was almost this, like, deer in headlights caught by dad moment for a lot of the houses, because the emperor basically shined a light on a lot of the corruption happening in the empire. Yeah. And... 
there is this absolutely savage bit of info from the Dune Encyclopedia about this that shows us, frankly, just how brilliant Emperor Sadir was. Quote, The fiscal information for each of the participants was so accurate and so complete that it was clear to many of the states that the emperor had been aware for many years of extensive tax fraud on their part. End quote. <laughs> Amazing. This is incredible. So good. He basically just shined a light on all the corruption he knew was already happening. And once again, in order to buy into Chome, you open up your books to audits. You are transparent about that. Man, yeah. And of course, that was a double-edged sword. For some people, this became a deer-in-headlights moment of, oh shit, now they know about our tax evasion. Right, yeah. And those people then had to fall in line. For other houses, it became an, oh shit, we're losing money because that guy's evading taxes. Tax evasion? That's allowed? It's not not allowed. Right, that's why we weren't. What do you mean people have been doing it? What the fuck? <laughs> yeah. So the, the goody two-shoes houses are almost rewarded because they realize they've been losing out on money and Chome just brought all of that to light. And so those houses could then demand to be paid their rightful share of money and their rightful taxes. That bad house over there, the bad <laughs> apple house, was evading. It's brilliant. It, it really is. identifies for everybody all at once. Look at what a problem this system is right now. Look how awful this is. Here's how we fix it. Yeah. And then everyone knows, okay, it does suck that I have to pay my taxes now, whatever. But it does mean that all, you know, that those hundred other houses that are not paying their taxes suddenly will be. Yeah. And okay, yeah, I do prefer that. Sure enough. Okay, great. Right. Exactly. Such a great point. Sure, you got caught in your lie, but so did everyone else. Right. (laughs) Well, moving on to our fourth reason there was also now a clear distinction between a great house and a minor house, right? Like a measurable, quantifiable difference. Yeah. The number of Chome shares you had and owned was synonymous suddenly with the amount of political and economic power that you were then kind of wielding, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The great houses, they say, listen, you did a lot of trade this last 10 years, you are going to do a lot more trade because you're going to have this money that you can then invest in that sort of thing. It, in a lot of ways, cemented the sort of hierarchy that already existed, but made it harder for people to move up and down that ladder dramatically. Yeah. It was just a stabilizing force all around, keeping people where they are to some degree, but also just giving peace of mind for those people who were afraid of... (laughs) being uh i don't know thrown down into the dirt and having everything taken from them yeah yeah it it really did just sort of cement who is in power who is not right and it it made the social climbing harder to do which you know could be good or bad depending on how you look at it for a fledgling young empire where shit is corrupt and people are stabbing each other in the back i'm sure a little stability helped a lot of people sleep easier at night right totally Okay, let's round out our reasons why people would join Chome with our final reason. Reason number five is that thanks to the creation of Chome, the Imperium basically entered a type of golden age. There was an explosion of wealth for everyone Mm. and an explosion of political power for this empire. The Dune Encyclopedia explains 
just how good of a golden age this was. Right. Quote, the entire economy of the empire entered a period of rapid growth that lasted more than five centuries. This commercial expansion was accompanied by conquest. The empire expanded until it controlled all the habitable planets available to the current navigation abilities of the guild. End quote. That's nuts. That's crazy. Nuts! <laughs> that is wild. This small little empire. I mean, small is in quotations. It's still a galactic empire. But yeah, this young, small empire that the Carinos are trying to establish on the back of the creation of Chome not only becomes extremely wealthy for a lot of people involved, but also expands the borders to what is effectively the edge of known space, as far as the fucking ships can fly. Yeah. It's wild. And all of that is thanks to Chome. I mean, at this point, crystal clear why people would say yes. <laughs> right? right? Like, man, if you were only afraid of the Sardaukar, well, here are some good reasons <laughs> to... uh to join the conversation. That's pretty good. Mm -hmm. Let's pivot a little bit and let's talk about what we do know about Chome's structure. So people have said yes. They've been given this incredible sales pitch and they have all these reasons to say yes. But what exactly is that structure? Well, again, so much of it was lost to history, I guess. Right. Nevertheless, we do get some good details around the direction of the corporation. That's right. So at the start, when Chome was first established, the Lanshrod High Council basically also acted as the board of directors for Chome. Right. And for a few decades, that was fine, and no one really had any issues with that, and it ran well enough. Yeah. But eventually, and I, and I almost imagine this kind of happened naturally, as Chome kind of found its place right, right. within this new empire, eventually, the composition of this board of directors shifted less people from the Landstride High Council and more towards people that reflected the, quote, distribution of economic power among the great houses, end quote. Right. Which makes a lot of sense to me. Like, the bigger economic powers are going to be the ones who have the muscle to join this board of directors, you know, to rise to that point where they are helping run Chome just because of how big their economies are. Yeah. I realized at this moment that I'm not exactly sure who the Landsrad High Council is. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, isn't that the same people as it? No, it's a shift. Okay. Yeah. We may just have to do a Landsrad episode. <laughs> right. Uh, because certainly that is one of those things that as we were researching for this episode, as we were studying for this pop final, <laughs> I realized that's a gap in my knowledge. So I don't know. We'll look at yeah. it. <laughs> right. Don't worry. Nothing about the Landstride High Council will be on the final. Right. That's next That's next semester. <laughs> so, again, we know very little about the Chome structure, but one other fact that we know about it is as this composition of the board changed and it became the economic powerhouses who became the board of directors, the Dune Encyclopedia also tells us that eventually it became the norm that Chome directorships, a spot on the board, was offered basically to an exclusive group of great houses who did more than 500 million solaris worth of trade per year. Right. So they kind of put a, an actual number to it. This is the number you have to be hitting economically every year 
to nominate yourself or be invited to the board of directors of Chome. So again, that just continues to enforce this idea that that economic power is one of the most important factors for all of the political players in Dune. So 500 million Solaris, that's, well, is that like six plastic baggies of oregano, right? That's like <laughs> <laughs> nutmeg. That's all just like a handful of nutmeg. No, dude, inflation this year is crazy. Oh. That's going to be no more than like five little baggies of oregano. What? Oh, Lord. Okay. Well. Yeah. Inflation is crushing all of us, y'all. Man. Demand a raise at your job, everyone. <laughs> Unionize. <laughs> Bring down these <laughs> oregano prices. Well, this golden era could not last forever. And ultimately, it wasn't all sunshine and daisies. Right. After that initial boom, growth began to slow after about 500 years, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, still a huge amount of time. Not a bad run. Yeah. Yeah. Not a bad run, all things considered. That's true. You know, could have been shorter. And it was around that time of stagnation that unrest really began to form within those smaller houses who had the least shares because that dirty little secret that got all of the great houses on board, that this is cementing the social ladder. Well, that's great until you realize you're really fucking low on the social ladder. Yeah. And then you're like, wait a second, this sucks. <laughs> right. Maybe I should be a pirate. And, and you can imagine for the first 500 years, like new planets are coming into the Imperium. Chome profits yeah. are always fucking green. The charts always going up. Uh, exciting. Even yeah. the little guys are making money. Like everyone's excited. Yeah. And then 500 years later, there are no more planets to conquer. We've sort of hit the edge of the galaxy. The rich are getting richer and the profits aren't exactly trickling down to the lowest people anymore. Yeah. Because the growth has stalled, right? And when the growth stalls, it's going to be the people at the top that are going to continue to make the money and the people at the bottom won't see those profits anymore. Right. Yeah. Now, the Dune Encyclopedia tells us that based on incomplete records from around this time, around this stagnating time, some planets like Ikaz and Harmanthep and Grumman begin appearing in Chome records as independent voters. Hmm. And my read on this is that presumably they've actually left Chome. Hmm which like 500 years into this economic system seems like a pretty dramatic step to take. Right. If you are coming to meetings as an independent, my assumption is that you are no longer bought into that system anymore. So that I think is like sort of red flag number one that, uh uh-oh, maybe this whole chome thing isn't as perfect as we thought for the last 500 years. Right. Which also tees up another red flag, which is (laughs) the emperor turns out does want to have a lot of power. Shocking everyone. Uh-oh. I know. Uh-oh. <laughs> Started with 20% shares, right? Brilliant move. Cool. Over those centuries, it had grown to about 25%, which is not a significant increase. It's still, it's huge, but it's also, you know, he's still not at 50, right? Right. But he's also still got the fucking Sardaukar and he has direct control over a bunch of people who are in Chome and have control of shares yep so you could very easily evaluate the emperor's control at about 35 percent. okay now it's getting concerning it is a little bit concerning again people go (laughs) it's still not 50 hold up oh shit consider this (laughs) quote 
since the emperor could almost always persuade at least 15% more of the partners to his arguments, in almost all instances, the partners affirmed the position of House Carino. Yikes. End quote. Yikes. Yeah, turns out you don't have to be a debate-winning champion to get 15% of shareholders to go, yeah, you make a good point in whatever you're doing, right? Just statistically, people are going to choose to side with you sometimes. Right. And what that led to then was the emperor, while not on paper having more than 50% control, basically having more than 50% control. Yeah, which is concerning because people initially bought into the system thinking the emperor had checks and balances on himself. Right. And it's clear, like, things are stagnating, the growth has kind of stalled, and the emperor, turns out, is doing, like, classic emperor shit. (sighs) Typical. (laughs) And taking control and doing whatever he wants, and his word is now becoming law. So, as good as Chome has been for the galaxy, it is still a human system, which means it is an imperfect system. Right, right. And those are some of the red flags that 500 years into its existence begin to show. Some of the cracks finally begin to show in the system. Now, that all having been said, despite some of these shortcomings, despite some of these cracks beginning to appear in the cement, it is undeniable that the effect that Chome had on the galaxy was a net positive. Right. For just about everyone involved, for everyone who actually bought into the system, ultimately, it was a net positive. Just to quickly rattle off, again, the great things that Chome helped this empire achieve. The guild is bought in, which means interstellar trade is back, baby, along with nacho fries at Taco Bell. (laughs) Yep. The empire has expanded to the furthest reaches of the galaxy, which means they are richer and more powerful than ever. Right. The economy has been booming for centuries, for 500 years, and because of that, lots of houses have made lots of money for the last 500 years. Right. And ultimately, all of this taken together led to greater stability and a strong foundation, a strong economic backbone for this Carino empire, for this imperium to last for thousands of years, for 10,000 years, all the way to the first pages of the Dune book. Right. And so we have to say, like, despite the issues within the Chome system that we've pointed out, Taken as a whole, taking a step back and really looking at the effect it's had, net positive. Right. And the Dune Encyclopedia actually puts it much more succinctly than we ever could. (laughs) Quote, In general, though, what we have of the records of the meetings of Chome are a testimony to the stability of the worlds of the Empire. End quote. Mm. And I think that word stability there is very important. Right. The greatest effect beyond the wealth, beyond the guild, beyond... Everything else that Chome did, I think the greatest thing it did for the Empire was stabilize it and build a strong foundation for it to grow on. Yeah. I mean, who knew setting standards and sharing wealth was a good thing? (laughs) (laughs) Who knew being a (laughs) collaborative person was a good thing? I will say as a kind of final takeaway for our dear listeners, think about that, that this power system exists where the more wealth you make, the more control you might have and everything that comes with that and the size of target you might have on your back. Because at the end of the day, you're right, it's a stable system, but it's also one that then has 
some very quantifiable ways of measuring people's control and influence. Yeah. And that makes it much easier than to compare and to be jealous and to be, you know, things to covet. There are positions of power to covet. So aside from all of the economic world building, and hopefully now when people talk about Chome and you're reading the book for the first time, you'll understand what they're talking about. Also know that these power dynamics are always there. Yep. And this is that backdrop behind the characters that we kind of see and know and love. Right. And I actually am really glad you brought that up about the power dynamics, because I think in classic Frank fashion, Chome is also not an ideal, right? Right. Frank is not saying Chome is perfect. This is what we should be doing in real life. <laughs> right, right. It is not. I Like Chome really does, like you're saying, solidify these power dynamics. It creates almost like this caste system. Mm-hmm. If you're a great house, you're a great fucking house, right? It's hard to move up and down this ladder. If you're at the bottom, tough fucking luck, buddy, right? Yeah. Like this system has now locked you into the bottom. And so I think it also cements the inequality that has always been present within the Imperium. Right. The powerful will always be powerful and rich now. The weak and the poor will always be weak and poor now. And so I, I, I think it's important to keep in mind, as great as Chome was for the Carino Empire, we have to remember, this is still a feudal society with a literal despot at the top who is vying for power, and this is an economic system that is helping these powerful dukes who are constantly politicking and backstabbing each other to just become richer and to become more powerful. Right. And like, ultimately like Dune is a story against those very things against too much consolidation of power, too much control in one system of everything. Chome is still a monopoly. Remember that should set off an alarm bell. (laughs) Monopoly is not a system we ideally want to strive for. So all of that is to say Chome to me, at least is another warning from Frank Herbert about many of the themes that this story is about. Right. But it's very interesting to peel back the curtain on its history and its lore and to see how truly transformative this thing that is barely mentioned in the books truly was for the history of the Empire. Yeah. Well put. Yeah. Well, let's wrap up as we love to do, with a couple of fun questions. First off, Abu. Uh Uh-huh. You are going to invest in a product in the Chome market. Okay. What is your GameStop stonk, your GameStop (laughs) stock that you're going to ride all the way to the many moons of the Imperium? What are you investing in, in Chome? Oh, man. That's a great question. It's tough because we know so little about the types of products that are being sold. Right. So I'm going to base this off of the Duke Leto quote we shared at the top of the episode. Right. Let's assume our options here are logs, donkeys, horses, cows, lumber, dung, shark, whale fur, and poor pundi rice. Right. From that list, I'm going all in on the dung trade. <laughs> oh, okay. Give me those dung shares, y'all. <laughs> uh-huh. And my reasons are as follows. Sure. Everyone poops. Uh, True. Poop is I read a book about that once. (laughs) (laughs) It's a resource that's not going anywhere, right? Right. Planet Hagal, gonna run out of those gems eventually. (laughs) Never gonna run out of poop. (laughs) Hookups, 
will not always start with Hagal. <laughs> right. Never going to run out of poop, though. Right. Reason number one, poop will always be around. Sure. Reason number two, poop is sustainable and reusable. True. It can act as a fertilizer, and it fits neatly into the circle of life. Right. So I can feel good about investing in something ethical. True. Uh-huh. And finally, reason number three is, I just got a good feeling about it, buddy. <laughs> I understand that poop is ubiquitous, which could make those dung shares pretty low. Right. Like make them basically like penny pe- worthless stocks. penny stocks. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just because it's everywhere, right? Poopy penny stocks. Mm-hmm. But I got a good feeling about it, and I am going to ride the dung trade to the moons of Arrakis, y'all. Wow. Pretty good. <laughs> What about you? What are you investing in, in the Chome stock market? What's your game stock? Oh, gosh, you know, dung is a good answer. I, all of your reasons, they hold water, so to speak. Uh, sharks is probably the is the best. Mm, mm-hmm. Can't get enough of them. Love to order a few sharks on Amazon. So that's, that's great. <laughs> but you know what? I heard your point about the ethics. You want to you invest in a product that you feel good about. Yeah. I'm going to go the exact opposite drugs. Uh, hear me out. <laughs> Crime syndicates. You, you'd figured... rather invest in a product that makes you feel good. Oh, exactly. Literal, <laughs> visceral, good feelings. Ethics out of the window, through the yeah, window. Yeah. Sustained ecstasy. Got it. Into the pot. Yeah. Timeless, <laughs> sustained ecstasy. It just feels so good. And okay. the pot's right there. The pot of gold. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's hear your reasons. Yeah. Listen. Not glamorous, but people always do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> it's steady. It's a steady business. Especially, you know, times are good. People have got money to spend. They're going to spend it. Times are bad. People feel bad. They want to feel good, baby. Yeah. Not to mention, hey, small form factor. Almost as small as a graded Pokemon card. Lightweight. Easy to ship. This is a good combination, right? Yeah. Yep. And, you know, th- that's basically all of my reasons. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I need more than that. But also, nope. listen, Frank modeled a lot of his in-universe systems on real-world systems. This is the future of the actual world. The drug trade is a thing. Right. Clearly, people figured out how to make money from this. I'm not a creative dude. I'm not going to reinvent the wheel. It's going to be great. Yeah. I'm investing in poop. You're investing in Samuta. <laughs> yeah. I think we're both going to be really rich. Uh-uh. I have a good feeling about it. Can't wait. Uh, it's going to be <laughs> the smelliest parties that we that we throw. <laughs> but enough Samuta and it, oh, you don't man. even notice. Yeah. Yeah. So true. Okay. Let's end today on another fun question. Sure. Leo, if one of those independent voters on ECAS, after they've left Chome, decided... Fuck Chome, I'm going to create my own cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. What do you think they'd call it? What are some options for an ECAS crypto? Man, it's tough. It's tough, right? Because ECAS is such a varied planet. They've got so much going on. Yeah. I'm sure you could do something with Fogwood. I feel like Fogwood would be a really good basis for some branding. I like the idea of just sand. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Arrakis was discovered before the pages of dune famously sandy and i think that a good crypto currency is going to be one with a punchy strong name and i think sand does it yeah because first of all as anakin tells us 
It gets everywhere. Yeah. So that's a good quality. Okay. And again, you're not going to fucking forget sand. Yeah, I got some sand in my pocket Mm -hmm. and now it's a good thing. It's a good thing to track sand, right? Okay. But those are, those are my thoughts. What about you? What are you thinking? So I kind of honed in immediately on this coin after looking back at our ECAS script. Sure. I was like, well, you know, ECAS, they would name it after something that's on the planet, I guess. And where I landed was, I think ECAS would introduce a cryptocurrency called Veracoin. Oh, oh, I like that. Rolls off the tongue. Yeah. And it would be named after the plant Verite, Mm -hmm. which, as we talked about in our ECAS episode, is harvested from the planet and is mainly used in truth serums. Yeah. So Veracoin, not only is the name establishing instant credibility. Right. Verified. Verify. (laughs) Uh Veracoin. Uh But knowing that it's based off a plant that leads to truth serums, who wouldn't want to own wealth backed by the truth, y'all? Veracoin. Invest today. Look for it in Coinbase. Oh, I love it. That's fantastic. So that that's where I imagine the Cassians would go with their with their crypto. You know, if you sign up for Robinhood, uh, you actually get a share of Veracoin. It's hey! crazy. Deposited right into your account. Yeah, it's nuts. Backed by the truth. <laughs> and nothing but the truth. At the end of the day, I feel like my biggest takeaway is just cryptocurrencies, NFTs, all these things come and go. But there is one product that will just is is forever. Yeah. Is eternal. We all know what it is. Yeah, we'll say it on the count of three. <laughs> yeah. Three, two, one, okay. and we'll say it, okay? Yep, yep. <laughs> okay, three, two, one, Drugs. sharks. Okay, oh. <laughs> got it. <laughs> Should have coordinated that way. a bit better. <laughs> Nailed it, 100%. <laughs> <Perfect>. <laughs> Well, friends, there is no real ending. It's just the place where you stop the recording. But this podcast is always one step beyond logic, so help spread the word of Mwadib and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And be sure to check out the other shows on the Lore Party Podcast Network on loreparty.com. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at lore underscore party. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, he who controls the podcast controls the universe. We'll see you at the next Chome shareholder meeting. (laughs) It's going to be a pop final. You (laughs) don't know when it's coming. It's not the end of the semester. That's all we can tell you. Pop pop midterms. Pop mid... Oh my God, words. Pop midterm. Nope. I'm abandoning ship. (laughs) Not going to say it. (laughs) Okay.